0: Dina Saunders-Green and you're listening to Formally Fostered, brought to you by Green Pines Media. This is a podcast about foster care and children's mental health services and sometimes a juvenile justice system, mainly because there's a lot of intersection between the three. We give emancipated youth and their allies a place to share their truth. I first started interviewing people who had been impacted by the foster care system back in 2009. At that time, it was for my research project for grad school, which was titled Self-Reported Obstacles Among African-American Families Who Failed to Reunify. Whew. I basically interviewed African-American families whose kids had been detained by CPS and asked them why they thought they weren't able to get their kids back. Quite a bit of time had passed, so they were able to kind of look back and offer some really amazing insight as to what some of their struggles were, which was mainly addiction, incarceration, um, not having good coping skills, things like that. Later on, when I started working with Emancipated Foster Youth, it was the same thing. I wanted to know what the youth had to say about the services that we were providing, how they felt about us as social workers, what their frustrations were with their family, just things in general. Now, I am a stickler when it comes to the code of ethics, so I take things like privacy and confidentiality or conflicts of interest very seriously. So when I decided to start writing about youth in the system, I resigned from my position and started working on the stories and the outlines after. And then when we became foster parents, I wanted to make sure that our kids knew that I wasn't telling their story. At the same time, kids who are in the system tend to experience similar things. So while my stories weren't telling um, the story of any one particular youth, there would definitely be elements that they could relate to, and that was done on purpose to make sure that I was accurately capturing the voice of the youth. I was listening to a podcast that mentioned Katherine Burns, who's the director of The Moth, which is live storytelling. And she talks about the importance of speaking from scars and not wounds, meaning whatever event that they are talking about was painful, but enough time has passed so that some healing has in fact occurred. And that's exactly what we want this podcast to be about. People who can speak about the system from their scars, not wounds. Back in April of 2014, I interviewed a 25-year-old young lady who had emancipated when she was 18. And um, she had gone through a transitional housing program in Southern California. Out of respect for her privacy, I have edited the interview to remove identifying information um, such as names, um, specific areas, locations, and also some of the agencies that she talks about. Also, please keep in mind that in 2014, I knew nothing about appropriate recording equipment, um, appropriate microphones, any of that. So the content is not the highest quality, but the information that this young adult has, I just think, is so powerful. Also, just a reminder that these are their stories based on their experiences and how they remembered it. So here we go.
1: When I first went there, I went there for a bus pass okay, to get, like, groceries. And and I just needed help. And um, my worker at the time wouldn't even see me. I called three times. I made an appointment. I wasn't late for the appointment. She wouldn't see me. She wouldn't talk to me. The supervisor or whatever Mm -hmm, at mm -hmm. the time, she was helpful. She got me a bus pass. And then, so I didn't go back to them for like, I don't know, a year or so. And then when I got kicked out of housing because I didn't pass my math class, then my friends had taken me back and okay. i was like i don't i don't need a handout i just need help right now <laughs> i was like i don't even need a house you could put me up at a shack just give me a, a roof over my head i don't need no extras like i have blankets i'm good and they're like we're gonna put you in an apartment i was gonna say <laughs> you would have been okay with that just with yeah. living anywhere oh okay. yeah that, at yeah I'm not too good to sleep on the floor. Okay. I'm not too good to be camping out. I'm not too good for that.
0: She goes on to talk about an amazing transitional housing program called THP+. At the time, it was one of the few transitional housing programs for youth emancipating in the state of California. For a lot of young adults, THP Plus was like winning the lottery. It was two whole years worth of housing and supportive services. According to the California Department of Social Services website, the program's goal is to provide a safe living environment while helping to develop life skills for successful independent living. So in addition to housing, the THP Plus program provided education assistance, counseling, employment support and training, and mental health services. Now, how those services were provided often depended on the nonprofit agency who was awarded the contract. Some agencies encouraged the youth to apply for food stamps. Other agencies provided grocery cards every single month. When it came to transportation support, some agencies required the case managers to transport the youth to and from appointments, while others provided bus passes or gas cards if they had cars. Some programs even established an emancipation fund for the youth. That's basically a savings account that the program and the young adult both contributed to on a monthly basis. That usually meant thousands of dollars for youth who left the program after two years. Those funds could then be used for first and last month's rent for their own apartment or a car, for educational purposes, basically whatever they needed. The problem was very long wait lists. That meant thousands of youth leaving foster care ended up homeless. In 2012, California took steps to alleviate the problem by extending foster care to the age of 21. But at the time, THP Plus was pretty much it.
1: They put me in an apartment. The maintenance round was really nice. He helped me move all my staff. That was awesome that he helped me. Mm-hmm. And then he helped me put my couch together and... All that kinds of stuff. He'd give me Popeyes on Tuesdays. <laughs> I mean, because I ha- didn't have food stamps yet, I didn't have any of that stuff, so, and like, there was no pantry. Like, oh, you're hungry? You're gonna have to work that out. But that was a cool apartment.
0: Shortly after moving in, the nonprofit that ran the program lost its county contract. Another larger nonprofit took over, and while she noticed some definite perks with the change, she also developed some concerns about her roommate.
1: I didn't have a roommate for like two weeks. Oh, okay. And then she came in. Hot mess. We were cool at first. She just was like quiet, but like she would talk randomly, mm-hmm. and you'd just be like, Okay, are you talking to me? And she's like, what? I'm like, I guess not. Like, the only time she really would talk to me is, like, if we had to go walk to the store. She didn't want to walk by herself. And then if I was cooking something, she'd be like, what are you cooking? And then she would eat, and then she'd go back in her room. And then we had, like, a super ant problem because she kept, like, dirty dishes in her room. And then one time I left for the weekend. I came home early, and my bedroom door is open. And my makeup's all over the floor. Oh, wow. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And then when I asked her about it because stuff was missing, Mm -hmm. she said, I don't know what you're talking about.
0: She talks about taking her concerns to the staff, but feeling as though she weren't truly being heard. I questioned her about their response.
1: Not to worry about it. And I'm like, she's a thief. Like, if I would have had money stashed somewhere, she probably would have took it. And I can't afford that. I can't live with someone who's a thief and then like she'd be so weird she'd be like totally cool with me and then she would just be like totally antisocial. i'm like you want to watch a movie no but then she would like steal my movies and i'm like (laughs) are you kidding me so you just don't want to watch a movie with me
0: stolen makeup and movies were definitely an inconvenience but it was something she felt she could handle especially with the good lock on her bedroom door but then things took a turn for the worse her roommate began to exhibit symptoms of an untreated mental health condition and that caused a crisis.
1: I started crying. I was like, I can't take this. They moved her to, to somewhere. I don't know where they moved her, but then I got a new roommate. She was really cool at the beginning. We got along really well, but she was like a little bit weird. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. She she was a good people. She's a good person, and we got along pretty well. She's clean. She wasn't antisocial, but sometimes she would just stay up, like, for days. And I'm like, what is going on?
0: She had a theory about her roommate's insomnia, but she preferred not to talk about it. Instead, she talked about some of their more fun activities, activities which could have gotten them kicked out of the program.
1: You know, I'm not going to say we didn't have parties because we definitely did, like, every Friday. <laughs> this is real life, and I can't get in trouble for it now. Oh, we're going to have a get-together tonight? Okay, well, everybody, you better bring a side, mm-hmm. you bring drink. you bring plates. I'm not washing the mess of dishes.
0: I asked her about the rules of the program and whether or not they were a source of frustration, whether or not she felt they were unrealistic. For her, the rules weren't really that much of a big deal, but she did talk about some things that did frustrate her.
1: It just seemed unrealistic like you want me to be on time but you're constantly late and not like five minutes like an hour okay. like I have class right. which is why I said I'll meet with you at 8 30 a.m. because okay. I have class at 9 30 9 20 so if you aren't here by nine o'clock I'm gone
2: what about with the other agencies were there any rules or anything they had that just I don't
1: know what they were because okay. they were never explained to me okay I never got any documentation I never was told anything, just that we needed to meet once a week. When I really needed to like, go to an appointment or something, it was like pulling teeth to try to get help. But then I got my own car, so then I was like, whatever. Right. What were some of the things that you liked most about the program? Food cards. And then they gave you money to pay the bills and stuff, so my money that I worked, I was able to keep that, which was awesome. Because I was able to do a lot of things. I was able to get my car. I was able to get my car fixed, and then like, get it fixed again and again, again. Okay.
2: And, <laughs> and then I was
1: able to put extra money into my fund, okay. my um, emancipation, emancipation fund. fund. So instead of emancipating with like three, four thousand, I had like six, almost seven, which was awesome because I was able to pay my share of cost and put extra money in. That was, like, awesome, and I didn't have to worry about the bills. I didn't have to worry about, oh, I'm running out of deodorant. What am I going to do? You know, I didn't have to worry about, oh, I'm hungry. You had to have all the bills in your name, and then you give them the bill, and then they pay it. But then, like, towards the end, they didn't pay it. So then I was like, where's this money going to come?
2: And what about your food,
1: like groceries and stuff? Did they take the shopping? Did you no. have to get food stamps? We had to get food stamps, and we had to go ourselves, which that's not a problem. Right. I mean, I'm not asking you to do everything for me, but if I need to go to the county building and you need to be there because you need to verify that I'm in a program, then I need you to be there because I need my food stamps. I need to eat. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to fight with you about it, you know? I didn't mind taking two-hour bus ride to school. I didn't mind doing that. I just, I need your help too.
0: Out of curiosity, I asked her about what motivated her to go directly to a four-year university after she graduated from high school. To be honest, the Pollyanna version of me was expecting some inspirational story about how she planned to break the cycle and be part of that small percentage of foster youth who got a bachelor's degree and changed the world. But that was not what motivated her to go to college.
1: There was no choice. What do you mean? There was no other plan. There's no other option where you could have your housing paid for. Did anybody help you through that process or She okay. was the one who was like, You can do this. Mm-hmm. You just need to put your butt in gear, take zero period, take an extra class. Oh, wow and just make up your classes that you missed. You can do this and you can get into college.
0: The she that she mentioned was her county social worker. So let's talk about foster youth and education. At the time of this interview, the percentage of foster youth who completed high school by the age of 18 was only 50%. And of those who actually graduated from high school, only 20% went on to attend college. That's just attend, attend does not mean finish. If we looked at the number who actually got their bachelor's degree, that was less than 10%. A lot of states offer financial aid and supportive services to emancipated foster youth who want to attend college, but that's not helpful if there are obstacles that prevent them from applying and once they are on campus, there are often obstacles that prevent them from staying.
1: Living on campus was cool because I was a part of a lot of clubs, I was working on campus, I was really involved. I got to go to school. All my club meetings were on campus. It took me four times to pass this same class. Mm-hmm. And they had a rule. It was three times. Okay. And if you didn't pass it that third time, you were out. And that messed up everything. And I had three tutors. I just needed a D-. And my teacher wrote a letter. I tried to appeal it. I did everything. And, yeah. Because I had remedial English and remedial math. Apparently, when you move around a lot, you have a lot of gaps. <laughs> and you don't
2: really understand some stuff. Right. So. <laughs> Did you have, like, a social worker kind of keeping track of things for you at all or mm-hmm. any?
1: Did you have any contact with county workers at all? Who would call me from time to time. Oh, okay. Because that was my social worker when I left care. Oh, okay. Now they passed a foster care thing, which would have been awesome, if that would have been possible when I right. was Right, so that
2: was what I was going to ask. What did you do during the summer when... I worked. Oh, okay, duh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, I had a job, so... Did you just stay on campus, or did... Oh, yeah, because okay, I didn't have anywhere important. to go.
1: And if you take summer classes, you would get financial aid, and that was just enough to cover classes and part of the housing. So then I would work to, it would be like $300 shy of the housing. So then I would work, and I'd pay that $300, but then I don't have no food, and you can't get food stamps when you're a student. And I stayed in the dorms from there until... I got kicked out. And then I was in THP Plus. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know aftercare could help you. I didn't know anything because I tried to get a bus pass. And that was like pulling teeth. So it was like, why would I, why would I go try to go down that road again?
0: She goes on to talk about the county social worker who made it a point to check in on her every now and then. This wasn't the first time that I'd heard good things about this particular social worker. That simple act of staying connected with the young adult coincidentally was no longer a client it was life changing
1: so i got her number and then i learned about all the benefits and okay. what's supposed to be happening and all that stuff and i'm like so the biggest frustration was just not having the
2: information to find out what you could qualify for which is that what yeah
1: meant. and not knowing like your resources right. like my counselor at school is the EOP foster youth liaison <laughs> and she didn't tell me anything. She
0: spends some time venting about those people who neglected to share information, but her frustration disappears the minute she starts talking about some of her neighbors in the THP Plus program.
1: And how I met everybody is one day I was making tacos. They're like, what are you cooking in there? Are you making tacos? And I was like, how did you know I was making tacos? And they're like, can we have some? And I say, if you go get some tortillas and some more meat. And he was like, I'm on it. And they ran to the store real quick.
0: It was pretty obvious that she connected with some of the other young adults in the program, and that was a good thing, because that didn't seem to happen in any of the foster families that she had been placed with.
2: If someone were to say foster parents to you, what's the first thing that comes to your
1: mind? Crazy. Overbearing. A lot of times unfair. The reason why I left a foster home that I was in for almost two years is because she got mad at me because... I applied for schools for college. Who got mad at you? A foster mother? Mm hmm. Yeah. Crazy, right? She got mad at you. She got mad at me because my SAT scores were low. Okay. So she, like, flipped out on me. She had given me a cell phone, supposedly it was a birthday present, and she took it back. And I was like, I never even used it except for talk to my family. And she was, like, so crazy. She was, like, trying to sever me from my family, which I kind of understand now because they're, like, a little bit crazy. But that's, like, that's my family, dude. And then I had a job. She made me quit the job I had when I moved with her. And then I got another job. And she said I could only work on the weekends, so I got a job at somewhere where I only worked at the weekend. And then I wasn't allowed to have any of my money. She had her own kids, and then she had two adopted kids. Okay. And then there was me there. I was like at the end of the um. line, like, I have one pair of pants for over a year. But I wasn't allowed to dip into the money I was working into my bank account to purchase myself some new pants and then when my sister she had bought me some pants and some lady Mm -hmm. garments that would actually fit me because they would buy me the stuff out of a box they never fit and I'm like I look ridiculous my clothes are either too big or too small so I'm like what the heck and my sister she's bigger so she was like look you look a hot mess I said I know so she would buy me clothes and then I would get yelled at for it and I'm like well you're not taking them away how come everybody else gets to wear really nice clothes and I get like thrift store clothes? You know, like, do you just not know how to help me? Like, you don't know what stores to take me to? Because I could tell you. You just have to take the time to take me. There's certain underwear I wasn't allowed to do, like, wear. I'm like, dude, I already, like, lived on my own. Like, I can't even wash my own laundry. You lived on your own? Mm-hmm. At what point? When I was, like, 12, 13, I had an apartment.
0: As a social worker, hearing that a 12 or 13-year-old child has their own apartment makes me queasy. And when I questioned her about it, she made it clear that it wasn't pleasant and it wasn't something that she wanted to talk about. She had mentioned her biological family members several times, so I asked her about her relationship with them. I also asked her about her entry into the foster care system.
1: My grandma didn't raise my mom. Her mom raised my mom, so my great-grandma raised my mom. My mom's all messed up, and she used to do like a lot of drugs. Couldn't keep us because she couldn't keep it together.
0: She goes into quite a bit of detail about her family history, about entering foster care as an infant, and her siblings, some who are awesome, good people, good parents with goals, others who are highly educated, but maybe not as stable as some would like. She also talked about having 13 different placements. Multiple placements often meant having to interact with a lot of different social service providers. Some of the agencies and organizations were great, others not so much. She opens up about her experience with a nonprofit that fell short.
1: They didn't care. Like, why are you doing this job if you don't care about the individual? If you're not going to sit down and have a conversation with somebody and see where their head's at and where they're going, how can you help them? Don't tell somebody they stink and not tell them, Hey did you need do you need soap? Do you have shampoo? Don't tell somebody all oh, your house is disgusting. Don't come at somebody sideways and expect them to know how do you learn these things? Somebody taught you you watched somebody do it. Don't just assume somebody knows how to use a vacuum. You know what I mean, and they know to pick up stuff off the floor.
0: Her comment struck a chord because as a foster parent, I had assumed that some of our teens knew how to use cleaning supplies. I realized that that wasn't the case when one of our kids used powdered carpet deodorizer on their tile bedroom floor. Eventually, our conversation turned to friendships. I wanted to find out what her support systems looked like and whether or not there was someone she could turn to when things got tough. What she describes is frequently being taken advantage of she talks about trying to help a friend who didn't have stable housing.
1: The landlord asked me, he's like, you know, she hasn't paid for like three months now. And I was like, what? And so I asked her, I said, hey, you haven't been paying the rent? And I was like, and I noticed that I keep paying on the electric bill the same half every month because we use the same amount of bills. It's not going down. What's going on? She's like, um, I got, I got fired. I left for the weekend, and I came home Sunday morning. She just left. After that, no roommates, no needy people, no people who need a hand up, a handout, anything. I can't do it, because I could barely take care of me and maintain my life. I can't be putting my life out there for somebody else to ruin. Like, it hurts my feelings, you know, because it, like, takes a toll. Right,
0: right. My next question was about the THP Plus program. I wanted to know her thoughts about why some youth were leaving the program or getting kicked out of the program. Basically, why she thought they weren't able to succeed.
1: Because they start getting their self-esteem back. They start things start happening in their favor because they're not. They don't have to worry about housing anymore, so they're able to focus on other things. So it gets to their head. Well, I don't need this. I'm... Yes, you do. Because where were you before this? If your housing's not stable. How would, you, how would you pay your rent? Do you, do you make enough money to pay the rent here? Do you realize what the rent is here? That's something that I didn't realize until I went to move. I didn't realize how much that two-bedroom was costing. I feel like the lease should have been gone over with us, and it wasn't. So that we understand the value. Because when you give somebody something, and they're supposed to maintain it, but they don't know what the value is because they've never had it before. You need to sit down with them like, look, this is the lease. This is how much it costs. This is how much we are covering. And this is your cost. You know what I mean? Make it real.
0: Here's what she had to say to young adults, specifically those who are struggling in transitional housing or extended foster care.
1: You can't keep a job. You're missing school. You know, you're not being productive charisma or whatever is only going to get you so far. You have to do your stuff too.
0: And what about their case managers?
1: Like, worked with them more one-on-one and find something that would fit them. Instead of just being like, well, you have to go to school. The program worked for me because their expectations and their goals were my same goals and expectations that I was already doing. So it worked for me because I was like, oh, this is easy. For somebody who doesn't really know what they're doing, what they want to do, where they want to go, don't ask about five years, what are we doing tomorrow? How about next week? You need to talk about today. What are we doing today? Not what's your life plan. School is not always an option for everyone. Some people just are more artistic. They need to do something else. And some people can't handle a 9 to 5 job. Some people need something that's more like towards their interests. Like, I don't know why, you know, selling their paintings and stuff at the swap meet doesn't count as a job. There are all kinds of things you can do to make money. It has to be some oh, you get a pay stub. Not all jobs you get a pay stuff. That is an you know? point. But it's still a job. Right. How many hours do you sit there and paint? How many hours do you go and try to sell your art? That is a job. I think it's just how people look at it. Like, it's not a conventional job, no. But neither is landscaping. But that's still a job, and people work their butts off to make sure people's yards look nice. I think it's unfair. Like, there's a couple girls, like, they do really good hair but couldn't get a job at a shop because I didn't have a degree for it.
0: Her comments were confirmation. Earlier this month, I released a workbook called Transitional Age Entrepreneurs, It was specifically designed for business-minded youth who wanted to start their own businesses. When I started out, I had no idea what I was doing. I knew I wanted to do social work in a different way, but I knew nothing about starting a business. And honestly, I didn't wanna take the time to figure it all out. So I went to amarareps.com and had a consultant walk me through the process. And then I started meeting all these amazing young people who were starting businesses. And then there were the youth who wanted to start their own businesses, but didn't know how. So I figured why not help them hash out an idea and set up a plan. Sometimes as social workers, we get into the habit of putting youth into a box that they were never meant to be in, but it makes sense. Traditional interventions are much faster and much easier, but I think we lose a lot of youth in the process. If they have a talent or an idea, there should be some way to help them develop it our next topic centered on therapy which is something that is sorely needed but frequently not utilized
1: most youth don't want to go to counseling because they were forced to do it when they're in foster care so they're like i didn't do anything wrong Mm. but once you explain to it like you know hey i i go to counseling i get therapy for myself i got some issues that I'm dealing with on the inside. And they're like, oh really?
0: As someone who taught workshops, I wanted to know her thoughts about the life skills classes that were frequently taught. She had a lot to say, starting with the cooking and nutrition classes.
1: How do you know how much a cup is? Do you use a scooper? Like how do you do this? You know, a lot of people don't know that. And yeah, we have our nutrition classes that like kind of tell you, but until you're, how are you going to have a nutrition class and eat pizza?
2: Right. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point.
1: You can't have a nutrition class and have pizza, potato, wedges, and hot wings. Right.
0: What? Wow, did you hear my nervous laughter? It's because I'm guilty of that. I am one of those people who would teach a workshop on nutrition and have pizza and wings and other unhealthy things there. Now, I justify it by saying, well, I have a fruit platter and I have a veggie platter. But realistically speaking... We always knew that the pizza was the main attraction, and can I tell you, I never even saw it as a problem. <sighs> and I asked, so here are her thoughts on doing laundry.
1: People, you know, wouldn't know how much soap to use, cause who's gonna sit there and read the ball? right? This is a front loader. You gotta use liquid powder's gonna be all weird. How do you get out dirt? You know, these are more like hands-on things. Like you have a workshop on it at the laundromat. Like, everybody bring a load, because I think with a little more guidance and a little more hands-on, people would get it. And then you would see where their mentality is at the same time, so you can meet them where they're at.
0: My last question, well, second to the last question, was about staff. I wanted to know what advice she would give to people who work with emancipated youth.
1: The workers need to check themselves before they walk in the door. With their attitude, whatever's going on in their personal life. Yeah, nobody's perfect, but if we're worried about what's going on with you, how can we focus on what we need to do for the program, you know? And if you're having a bad day, go for a freaking walk, smoke a cigarette, do whatever you gotta do. Shake it off, because it's not our fault.
0: My final, final question was about what she wanted to tell people in general. Oh, and please excuse the sound, I think we were chopping
1: vegetables. When you hear her foster, I'm, I'm a former foster youth, like... Don't put a stigma on it. We're not all the same. We're not all ones. We're not all bad people. Wasn't anything that we did to grow up like that. We didn't choose that. It's just what it is. Don't count us out. Don't give up on us. Sometimes all we really need is some affirmation. And even if we drop off, we're not like normal people. <laughs> we're a little bit different.
0: Thank you for listening to Formally Fostered. You can subscribe to us by going to Apple Podcasts or follow us on SoundCloud. Feel free to leave a comment or email us at info at greenpinesmedia.com. So until next time, have a good one.